are back in our study of body life, talking about <clears throat> mission and vision once again. And tonight we should uh, we should be able to finish up, um, you know, the uh, the text and our outlines and all of those things. Um, and as we do that, I'll be calling on you to do a little bit of something that we don't always like to do, and that is reflect and actually apply what we're learning. Um, and so. Uh, <clears throat> We, we do a little bit of that as we go, but this week I, I pray it will be a little bit more, um, you know, effectual. So uh, just kind of a little bit about where we've been. Oops. Here we go. <clears throat> we've talked about provision and protection, function, relation, identification, and we spent a few weeks here on mission and vision. And lastly, we'll be talking about interaction. Uh, we've been uh, doing this entire series to help orient all of us on our need to uh, you know, really understand the local church and our role in that and what that means <clears throat> to the kingdom of God. So the primary purpose, let me, I went too fast. The pri- primary purpose of this, uh, this session here, because it's been a few weeks, uh, is to teach us that we've been called to fulfill the Great Commission through this local New Testament church. Uh, today in America, the, the term church uh, is a pretty broad term. And of course, we know that there is a kind of a capital C church, and that, that is everyone that Jesus Christ has redeemed through his blood that are born-again Christians. So certainly there is a, a church uh, with a capital C, but in the New Testament, God works through local New Testament churches. And so um, we were talking about that last week and how important that is when it comes to discipleship and what that means to you. Um, and we kind of got, we ran out of time. So before I jump into the and finish this up tonight on point number uh, four, um, I did want to offer because you were you were you were said something. Now I'm not gonna I'm I am putting you on the spot, but you do not have to feel any pressure. Did you want to share what you shared last week? If you don't want to, then you don't have to. We'll just move on. Okay, we'll move on. <laughs> okay, because so we were talking about. Well, it was pretty edifying uh, because what. One of the points that we were talking about, okay, just to review, let me review some things with everybody together since we're all here together. I'm going to fast forward to last, one of the things that we talked about last week was this seven stage, we were talking about discipleship, let me back up a couple, um, and how important it is to the role of discipleship in growing and maturing. And, and so we we spent a good bit of time on this, uh, the seven or eight stages of spiritual growth seven stages if you're an lff person you'll be familiar with that um if you're if you're a heartland person you you may have heard of the eighth stage which is is really going even beyond that and reproducing local new testament churches so um having that discussion at the end right as we were finishing up it it uh it became you know we started to talk about the discipleship and there was some more than one person was like i, I had something to say and then we were kind of like well, the preacher went too long, and we're out of time. we got to go. So so having said that, I'm going to catch us up to where we are here uh, in the role of discipleship and fulfilling God's mission. Uh, we talked about practically these things as we left off, you know, um, just different things you can do, uh, how to get connected, getting involved in ministry. Uh, and so tonight, <clears throat> this is where we're going to start off. But before we do that, would you like to share, or am I just totally making you too uncomfortable? Because this is the point. Let me back around to this. Some people are in church for a long time, and they never grow. 
And they think, well, and, and that's kind of a thing from this, you know, I guess the 50s, 60s, 70s that you just went to church and people thought you just grew because you showed up. And you worked like Mrs. Catherine Curtis, who used to be a member here. Uh, she's gone home to be with the Lord several years ago, but um, she got saved later in life. She and probably in the 60s. She was probably 40. I don't know when she got saved. I mean, remember anyone here remember Catherine? OK, so some of you remember. So she just got saved and they threw in the children's ministry like the week after she saved. She doesn't know anything. I mean, one week she's at the bar. Next week she's teaching kids, you know, and, uh, you know, and I'm not saying that to talk bad about her. That's like real. And and so she she all of a sudden now she's teaching kids. And for her, she swam. Uh, She swam, meaning she learned the lessons. She did the work to, to learn all that. And she grew. But for a lot of people, that's not the best discipleship method <laughs> So, because uh, uh, you're putting them in a position to fail, not to help them. And then there's others that, that the church does not intentionally do anything uh, to, to train because there's a lot of pastors. It starts with the pastor who think and believe that I can do all the disciples necessary from that pulpit. Everything you need to know, I'll be bringing it Sunday morning, which is a little arrogant. But also, it's not exactly the way Jesus did it either. Jesus walked with people, right? So I spend more time with, well, with the pastors. I got a team of pastors and, and some of the leaders that we, we have a monthly meeting. And so I was, so discipleship happens at a ministry level, happens on a one-on-one level, right? We just, we disciple couples, me and my wife as a couple as well. And so that's really important to ministry. Most of us here probably get that or you're in some process of that or getting that. And that's important. Discipleship is really what gets you growing, not just the structural aspects as we have here, D1, D2, and HBI, which is kind of the the, the framework, the, the backbone of it. But the actual life-on-life, one-on-one, a place, a safe place to be yourself, ask questions, learn the Bible, have those epiphany moments where you're like, wow, I never knew that. I didn't know that the Bible said that, where you can apply it practically. So I'm going to go ahead and hand you the mic because you were willing to talk last week. So let's just, I just want to just, I just want to, I just want you to hear her testimony, Paula's testimony, like when she got saved, how, how forward the church was in getting her disciples. <laughs> and then, and then how the, just the progression of what it really took to get to where you were growing, like you would like to grow. Right here. Like that. Okay. Okay. Um, I shared a couple things with Brian last week after Bible study. Um, I think I've shared with him before, but who knows. Um, and I, he asked me if I wanted to talk about it tonight, and I really thought he would forget. So I rehearsed it in my head last week, and it sounded great, but when I try to speak it, it doesn't always come out the best, so bear with me. Um, I wasn't raised in church. Uh, my dad was, my mom wasn't, so we didn't really ever go to church, um, except for maybe holidays like Easter, something like that, once in a while. And I had a babysitter before I was a teenager when I was probably seven, eight, nine, ten, and she took us to vacation Bible school in the summer. So I got a little bit of jesus and god here and there i always believed in god i always believed that jesus was the son of god and he died on the cross for our sins but that was about it and fast forward to when i was a teenager 
um, turned 16, got my license, um, started cruising Harrisonville like everybody else did my age, Friday and Saturday nights, and my mom and stepdad decided they wanted, they started going to church, and my mom pushed me real heavily to get up and go to church on Sunday morning, and I didn't want to because I was out late Saturday night. Um, so one Sunday was um, going to be my birthday, my 17th birthday, and I didn't want to spend the day alone, so I decided to get up and go to church with them. And it was a local church here. I won't name it. It was in the area. And the preacher preached on hell and judgment. And I knew that if I didn't do something that day that I was headed for hell. So he gave the invitation, and I raised my hand, not knowing what was going to happen. And he pulled me up on the stage in front of everybody. Thank you, Brian, for not doing that here. And led me through a prayer. And in front of everybody. And I didn't know what all was happening, um, but I know something happened in an instant. I, I could I knew something changed, and I think I I, I kind of understood what what happened that I had gotten saved I was born again. So I was all excited, you know I couldn't wait to tell everybody what had happened that day. And then as the weeks went by, I kept thinking, well, isn't the next step baptism? Aren't I supposed to get baptized? And nobody ever said anything to me. Um. The church didn't do anything with me. I quit going, and nobody ever called me. Nobody followed up with me. And I went back out into the world, basically. And as a teenager, um, I was pretty weak. Things happened. Um, fast forward. I'll just give you a little bit of background on my husband. He was raised at the temple, Kansas City Baptist Temple, as a child, and I guess you quit going when your mom quit taking you as a teenager. And I think he got saved at a revival at about the age of 12. And I won't give all of his testimony because I don't know it all, but I do know that he didn't get baptized. And in his early 20s, he was driving by the temple one day and realized that his life wasn't going so good. So he pulled into the temple and talked to a pastor there and told him, hey, you know, after listening to him, he said, I, you need to get baptized. So he got baptized and went through discipleship. They had just started the discipleship program at the temple, and he went through that. So anyway, um, after we met, got married, um, tried to get back into church, and we went to a church in Blue Springs just because he promised God to get our son back into church before he turned four, and it was a week before he turned four so we found a church to go and uh it was a baptist church and after talking with them when they paid a home visit they realized that i hadn't been baptized i needed to get baptized so 17 years after i got saved i got baptized 17 years so again now we're all baptized we moved to archie um, gotten a little local church, Baptist church. Um, nothing was happening. Wasn't learning anything. 
My husband said, this isn't it. We need something like the temple down here. We started praying. Got in touch with Brian. Started the Bible study. First night of Bible study, he did how, how to study the Bible. And it was like, you know, everything just blew wide open. I, I, this is what I've been missing. So we went through discipleship, um, D2, uh, with the Sloan's, the Sloan's disciples. Um, he'd already been discipled, but he went back through it. Went through D2 with Brian. That's been, what, 20 years ago? Yep. So I, I probably need to go through it again because yeah, I was. 20 years ago. I was learning from, I was basically a baby, even though I'd been yeah, saved for. It's a lot. It was a fire hose. It was a lot all of a sudden. <laughs> I mean, I, I was soaking it up, but, you know, D2 was pretty intense with Brian, and I could probably go back through it and learn twice as much now, knowing what I know. So. It's um, a lot. So I'm thankful for this church. Um, I don't know how, if people really realize how important those steps of obedience are. And so many churches don't take the time after someone gets saved. I mean, I, in another, I've been in two or three other churches and someone gets saved and then that's all they do. They might baptize them, but that's it. Then they're just left to, to on their own. And so take advantage of what HBF has to offer because um, it's such a blessing. And thanks, so. thanks, Paula. That's a good word. I can, yeah, that's good. That wasn't so painful. Thanks for doing. I thought that was. How many think that was pretty eloquent? I thought that was yeah. pretty good. Good job. <laughs> yeah, give her some love. That's good. You know, and it, we don't want to just talk about oh, Heartland's great and all that, but it really is the process of discipleship. Um, and again, we, we've talked a lot about it and, um, but it, that is, that is a really special story to me because in addition to Harold, you know, Hatman being convinced there needed to be a local church here, um, you know, I was praying about my next steps personally. And so they were praying and God literally used them. Steve Miller, the church, the, my immediate ABF pastor, um, uh, put them in contact. They called the church or KCBT randomly got a hold of Steve Miller, you did. And Steve's like, well, we just happened to be having a Bible study going down there, you know. So God just put that together. And, yeah, first time we met at the – you guys were there the first night we met at the Christian school. Yep. Yeah, that's amazing. I'd forgotten that that detail, but, yeah. So it was just confirmations. When you're planning a church, God does all these things to confirm – Thing. So the first night that we opened at the Christian school, which was our next step, we went from meeting in a basement at Harold's house. We outgrew that, and we stepped into the Christian school. So, I mean, they were with us before we were uh, formally a church. I wasn't even ordained and sent back in those days. I was still, my Sundays were at KCBT going to church up there. I was still on the circuit. I was still preaching at City and Mission. I was heading up that ministry. I was transitioning about that time, though. I started and you guys then were there just a few weeks into that, uh, 9-11 happened. And uh, I was, yeah, it was like two weeks later, 9-11 happened, and I showed up for Bible study, not thinking anybody was going to be there. Man, it was full. I was encouraged. I was like, wow, praise God. This is awesome. So God did a lot of cool things back in those days. And um, But getting back to discipleship, it's really all about discipleship. 
And uh, I'm, I, I, you know, I, I see people with that testimony or something like that, you know, and I think I've already shared my father, you know, he was, somebody was asking me about what my dad was like the other day. And uh, I was like, well, if you know Leo, if some of you guys know Leo Humphrey, um, I don't know how many of you know Leo Humphrey, but there was an evangelist named Leo Humphrey uh, out of Louisiana, and he was a market preacher. He would go into markets. He'd preach down at uh, uh, New Orleans on the in the uh, what do you call it down there in the for I want to say Mardi Gras, but that's not it. The French Quarter. Yeah, he was always working the French Quarter, and, um, and he was a, he was a, he was a he was an amazing evangelist. Um, and that, he reminded me that my dad was a lot like that in the personality, and is, he's gregarious in a lot of ways. And I was telling someone that they're like, "Really?" And I'm like, "Yeah." Um, what was the difference? So he was never discipled, you know. So I never, I never saw him like that. But I, when I'd hang around with Leo, I would see little glimpses of that, and I think, man, what my dad might have been like if the church would have discipled him instead of have make, you know, putting on the the work crew to build a building expansion and drive the bus to youth for Christ endlessly um, and never invest the word of God in him. And so, uh, and, and then, of course, he became bitter and resentful and, and quit. And I didn't even know he was a Christian till later on, uh, till after I got saved. And so, um, yeah. Can you say that on here? Because if there are people watching online, they can't hear you. So... There you go. So my mom's been saved for 74 years, and no church has ever uh, trained her up, taught her the Bible, offered discipleship. And listening to the Wednesday night uh, process here, she uh, was um, decided that she needed to be discipled, and she filled out the application on her own. I didn't prompt her or anything. It was the Holy Spirit. And so she's being discipled by Vicki Schleister now. Oh, how sweet is that? Praise the Lord. We need to pray for her. Yes. Amen. Yeah, if you guys are looking to be just like, what can I pray for? We don't like advertise who's in Discipleship One. And, and there are different people that are in Discipleship One that are, some are more mature than others, you know, as far as their walk with the Lord. But it's really not about that. We We need to be in prayer about that process, just the process of, of learning the Word of God, people getting a heart for the Word of God in a way that they want to, like, you know, Paul said, I was hungry for the Word of God, but there was nothing, right? We want to feed them. We want that hunger to turn into maturity. We've already talked about First Peter, right? And, and, and so that grows into that charity, right? That that, 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 that knowledge uh, and temperance and patience and all that ends up becoming, um, you know, the virtue uh, that we need that grows into brotherly love. And, and make someone they'll never fall, right? That's what we really want. We want to see people stable, sure-footed in the Word of God, in their faith, because there's so many winds of doctrine out today. The devil wants to knock people out. And in the local church, it's interesting getting back to where we started. So you have the local church, and then you have the capital C church, you know, which, you know, everybody, that's ultimately the Antichrist is going to use that for his purposes. So... Um, you know, one of the things that we got to be careful of is that we're we're connected to a local church. Now, hey, I don't have a problem. We we sent a group up this you know a few weeks ago to Winter Jam. It's not church service. It's cool. You know, it's fun. It's Christian entertainment, whatever that is. You know, so I mean, no one's going to really. They got they got some cool stuff. I mean, I like the the stuff they're going to do for orphans. I mean, they got some they got some you know they got some stuff, but it's not Jesus. Like it's not like. 
And you'll hear the gospel and you can get saved. I'm not against any of that. But it is nothing compared to what God's plan is in the word of God, the local church, doing discipleship and doing ministry through his ordained institution. Um, And so I praise God for every soul that gets saved, every Christian kid that's, you know, whatever, listening to that instead of going out here and, you know, in the world and doing whatever they're doing there. I'm not against any of that. I'm just saying that it's shallow. That's what I'm saying. It's really shallow. And we got to go deeper. Yeah, Ron. Right on. There's no accountability. Uh, it's it's absolutely right. Thank you, Ron. That's a good that's a good point. So let's talk about our practical involvement in in planting and missions. So we've gone a lot. We've gone past. This is kind of just a residue of what we talked about last week. Where's all this taking us? Which I'm glad you're asking because where is it taking us? Um, I'm trusting God that as we go through this process, God is going to supernaturally within our local New Testament church grow up other uh, men and women um, uh, that can uh, go forth and carry out this mission. In other locations, like right now, I'm, I'll tell you right now, I'm praying practically that God would send someone to like Nevada or Butler from our church and not our church. And there's someone like us, like minded like us that would do that. Maybe we can help supplement and support that. Um, but whatever the case, we got two families down there right now. One of them is commuting here right every week, you know, and uh, it's like that's not that's not local when you're driving an hour one way. That is not local. Right. Uh, and so I know there's a need there because they tell me. And, and so same thing. We went to Clinton. We had families coming up here from Clinton. And then we had families that were living here, part of our church. God literally picked them up, had nothing to do with us, literally moved them, their jobs, whatever, transitioned them to, to Clinton. And it was like, whoa, you know, very obvious. God's doing something there. First thing the folks ask, well, why do we need another Baptist church? That is a great question. Why do we need do we need another Baptist church? That was one of the questions I asked when I came to Harrisonville. What is it that you're bringing that the other Baptist churches aren't? Why do you need another church? That's a very valid question. If you talk to Pastor Brad, he just says there's still lost people. They need to get saved and discipled. There's enough for all of us, right? And that's a great answer. Uh, and, what, and he's wise to say it like that. But also what he's going to say is we're going to make some disciples. Because not all, I'm not saying that all churches don't make disciples because other churches do. But uh, we definitely, not all churches are focused on discipleship. And if they are just focused on discipleship, it's often a program of, of assimilating members. So discipleship is not growing people to fulfill the mission. It is assimilating people to be part of your church, which is, ends up becoming nickels and noses. Uh, if you haven't heard that phrase, you know, the more noses you have, the more nickels you can collect. And so uh, that is not the mission. The mission is to not not just bring people in, but to grow them up and send them out. Um, and so, if anything, I may be a little too aggressive on that. Um, we, we sent you know Brad out, and uh, uh, and we sent Dave Pierce out, and I've learned lessons with each one of those, um, and I'll and I'll do a better job every time. But I want to keep. I'd rather be too aggressive in accomplishing the mission than just laying back, right? And so. Um, that's why it is important that we grow here if we're going to be a sending church so we have the resources to support the churches we send. And the missionaries we send, I want to send missionaries. And and there are some people praying about that right now, praise God. And there's some people that got to grow. And there's some people that already know, like I did, in their heart of hearts, that this is really what God has for me, but you can't verbalize it yet because your life's not in order. And you got to get your life in order. And so uh, that's all part of it. And uh, and so let's talk about the practical involvement, church planning, and missions. Number one, this is very simple. 
um, but it's important is membership. Right? When God left this planet, uh, he left the Holy Ghost, the Word of God, in the local New Testament church to replace him. Right? And so um, that is what is replacing him on the planet. If you really want to be on mission, you need to obey the Lord's will concerning believers' baptism and identify with the body of believers with the local new testament church so god uses the local new testament church to build souls in faith the express reason we have pastors and teachers and evangelists is to build the body of christ pump me up you know uh and so that's why we're here ephesians 4 11 and he gave some apostles some prophets some evangelists some pastors and teachers why for the perfecting or the completing of the saints for the work of the ministry for the edifying, which is the building of the body of Christ. How long? Good question. Verse 13, till we all come into the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God into a perfect man, which is Christ, under the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ. He is our measuring stick. So we're not comparing ourselves with, with ourselves. That's unwise. It doesn't really matter what the church down the street's doing or the church that we came from or the church that we sent out. We really have to focus on what is God doing right here, right? It all goes together. But it's important that we understand that God gives a local church, uh, although these epistles are written to pastors or they're written to local churches that Paul wrote. Paul wasn't working through the capital C church. He was working through local New Testament churches and their leadership for the very reason that, that Ron pointed out, because that's the accountability. And that's why Jesus worked with 12 disciples, because that was the accountability. And it went up to 70, and of course, and then it grew from there. But the point is, is that is that there has to be that accountability, and we've got to understand the mission of God, we need to understand that, that God has left these things. He replaced himself with those things so we can be on mission. I'm getting ready to uh, preach, uh, not this week, but next week, a marriage conference. It's just like we learned at our own marriage conference. right? Your marriage is meant to be on mission. right? That's why the family is under attack right now. The churches then will be under attack because these things about being on mission are under attack. God doesn't want you to understand your identity. He doesn't want you to under, which we've already covered in previous sessions, right? We talked about that very clearly. So if you don't know who you are, you will certainly not do what you're supposed to do. And you won't know how to do it. And the church is here to like, so we are a counter uh, culture organization right now. So 50, definitely 100 years ago, it wasn't like that, right? Uh, well, actually, it was pretty rough in the 20s, by the way, 1920, uh, the 1920s. The church, we needed another revival back then. Um, but the church had a good run in the late 1880s. Uh, in, in the United States, the local New Testament churches, God brought revivals, uh, legitimate revival. And, uh, and by the 1920s, you guys know, it was the Roaring Twenties. Very similar. The stock markets were up. People were being, uh, you know, affluence, uh, cars, technology had changed everything. You had mobility. You had a seven-day, you know, the seven-day work week was coming in to practice. Uh, you know, America was, was starting to build roads out, and uh, communications were starting to take off. All of those things, electricity was starting to take shape. Uh, so all those things were happening, and uh, guess what? Everybody forgot God, right? And then you had a couple wars, and God said, okay, I'm going to deal with Israel and get them started. And, and of course, we really haven't done a whole lot to, to genuinely repent, uh, although, uh, you know, there's been, there's been flashes of genuine revival here and there along the way. Uh, but at the end of the day, the, the movement of God is only as good as what's going on in each individual Christian and each individual local New Testament church. It, that's really what it boils down to. It's got to start with us individually having revival within the context of our local New Testament churches, and then that will overflow into the environment in which we live in. 
Um, and, and then that will make an effect, certainly, on uh, being fruitful, multiplying, replenishing. And then that last point in, a, in a Genesis 128, and that's subduing. We don't talk about subduing. But I do believe that when we're really in God's will and we're really making disciples the way God intends and we're really preaching the gospel and we're really serious and we really love God's word, not just know God's word, but we love God's word, then people's lives will be changed. But not just not just like in a real romantic way that you can put on YouTube, but literally the culture. There, there's a reason we're salt and light. There is a reason we're the pillar and ground of the truth. And so today you can start to see that. So you have a church like ours, and, and we get up on Sunday morning unapologetically, and we read Romans chapter 1 in the context of the, te- of the message that I'm preaching. But we're, we're reading Romans chapter 1, which is soon going to be called hate speech. right? So what do we do? Put away Romans chapter 1, or do we stand on the Word of God and we go forward in faith? Well, we've got to stand on the Word of God and go forward in faith. That makes you counterculture. Well, it's been a while since Christians have been counterculture in America, but we're here. Praise God. So that's actually, for most Christians, they're like, oh, no, I've got to run and hide. Well, if you're going to run and hide, run and hide at the church. Get equipped so that you can go out and be prepared. Because the last thing we really need is a bunch of wimpy Christians running and hiding from the mission that God's called us to. We need Christians that are willing to die for the mission if necessary. And I don't mean necessarily physically, but if it comes to that, that's what it takes. Now, that's a, that's a level of consecration that America hasn't had to deal with for like 250 years. Uh, for the most part. And so um, it's everyday life for most Christians around the world. But that's something that we have to, we, the church is, should be preparing people. You know what's so convicting? I wish I could bring Jeff Trude in here right now. And uh, <clears throat> and he could t- he could testify, and so could the other pastors that have been to like India. And when you see these believers come into faith, and, and even Sharon being down in, in Guatemala, when, you, when you're under an oppressive religious system, whether it's Hinduism or uh, or a works-based system like Catholicism, and you suddenly have a real relationship with Christ and you identify with born-again believers that believe the Word of God, what changes your life? I mean, you, you want to follow God, and you want, to be, you want to be true to God's Word, and you want to be a member of that because you are a member of that. You, you've been changed from the inside out. But you're going to get stiff opposition, you know, um, and you can get some stiff opposition even here in the States. Uh, so I don't want to minimize that, especially some of these Muslims that come to faith here. It's no easy matter, right? They'll take you out and kill you. Even in the United States, honor killings go on. And so uh, and so those things are, are serious. Um, and, and so identifying with Christ and then, his, and then being a part of a local church, man, you think people would, like, uh, be scared. But it's, it's amazing the boldness that you see when you go visit these places. And they know before they even ask Jesus into their heart, this is worth dying for. I mean, they start their walk like that. Stuff like we're trying to ramp Christians up for, you know, 30 years. Maybe after 30 years of discipleship, we'll really be ready to lay it all on the line. You know, these people, before they even ask Jesus into their heart, that may be it. They certainly aren't going to get social assistance. What if becoming a Christian meant they were going to turn off your welfare? Well, I'm not on welfare, okay? What if becoming a Christian means they're going to turn off your ESG account, right? Because you're not socially acceptable. Now, that's realistic. And so, uh, you know, you're not environmentally friendly enough or you're not whatever. If we go to a digital currency, those are real issues. And the, you know what? The one place you should come and get encouragement when, when your account's been shut down <laughs> is the church. Say, hey, Jesus loves you. He provided manna. You know, he, provi- he provided. He can, take, he can take the bread and break it. God's going to bless Sharon 
and all these other chicken farmers in our church with multiple eggs so that we can buy them for you. I mean, God will take care of us. Somehow God will take care of us if it ever got that bad. I bet some of you don't even know what I'm talking about when I talk about ESG. How many of you know what I'm talking about with ESG? So I'm just kind of curious. Yeah, some of you may not even know what I'm talking about. Okay. So if we go to a digital currency here in the States, if we have a – just hypothetically. Let's just talk hypothetically. This isn't – I don't know. Hypothetically, like if, if, if our economy got to the place that it was – they needed a TARP type of bailout and they wanted to kind of switch the reserve because they've dropped the oil. It used to be we had a gold standard in the U.S., uh, and then the Nixon exchanged that for a Federal Reserve note that's based on the oil standard. So we've had this oil standard. Now, some of you that are old like me can remember OPEC tink- tinkering around with that and the, the, the almost depression that brought to us in the 70s. You know, that, that was a big deal. So we stabilized that oil price, and the oil's been the anchor for the dollar. Uh, it's been the reserve currency until like last year or this year. And so uh, they've just recently gone off of that. So with all the... The money we've printed and all the things that are going on, it's interesting, uh, the options financially. So uh, the last time we have had to reset uh, financially, uh, we still had oil as the reserve currency, as the dollar back the, the oil of the world as a reserve currency. And that's kind of been the gold standard was the oil is what I'm saying. Uh, now with all this environmentalism and all this other baloney, they're trying to you know get away from all of that. And that's actually moving right now. That's one of the things the BRIC nations are starting to gobble that up. Because we've allowed them to get themselves in that situation. BRIC is, is, is Brazil, Russia, uh, India, China, was South Africa, but now it will also probably soon include South America. All right, so, so the, the energy sector will no longer, could, could possibly be in a situation where we don't, as a nation, as the United States, don't have, a, have the, the control like we used to. Hmm. So, so they would do something different. And then that would be uh, – there's already scores right now that they've been using with banks that if you want to get credit with the, with the bank or a certain level of credit, you've got to be environmentally friendly. I forget what the S is. And socially, I think it's environmental, social, and I forget what the G means. What is it? Governance. Oh, governance, right. So you meet these standards for environmental, social, so, you, you know, you're LGBTQ, XYZ friendly – and your uh, and your govern it however they want you to be governed. Then you can get the handout. So um, so now that's scary to think about with a company. But what if that kind of system went to the individual, like it does in China, which I visited. And so everyone's in the database, and everyone knows. Oh, Brian, you're a little too hard on that Romans one. We're going to have to crank back your account here a little bit. You know that would be scary. That'd be almost like the Book of Revelation. Uh, getting ready for that. So, so those are things. When it comes to, 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 well, what do you do? Well, you love God and you love people, and you continue on uh, as a local New Testament church until Jesus takes you out. And so, so those are things that that people aren't even thinking about. Oftentimes, I don't want to scare people or get you depressed, but uh, the, these are real real issues. What do you do? Well, you you need to do what the Bible says, and you need to love each other. You need to have an oasis where you can come together in freedom every week and preach. If we got to turn off the internet to do that, we'll turn it off because we're going to preach the word of God, you know. But I like putting it on the internet as long as it'll have us. But of course, we already know YouTube won't have us. If I say the wrong thing, they shut us down. They've done that before, especially during the COVID thing. And so, uh, so you you know, we're already censored to a large degree. Um, it's better if you don't do live stream. If we like, we upload later, we can get our videos up. But when we live stream through YouTube, we finally had to quit doing that because if I said, you know, the wrong thing, or it would be it would be gone. So, 
so those things are those things are those are realities. You know, that's not like crazy. That's not crazy talk. Okay, so what's that got to do with building the people and building churches? Everything. Because in a world like that, in a world like that, the only place you can get your bearings is in the Word of God. The only place you can walk in and Wednesday night and just go, I'm out of that mess. I'm going to just come into this oasis for a minute and swim around in the Word of God and take a bath in God's Word. You know, I'm going to think about things above and not the things of this earth. Man, it's going to be... It's going to be in the local New Testament church. Not because I'm the pastor, even. It has nothing to do with me. It is because this is God's ordained institution. And just like he left his word and he left his spirit, he left his church. And if we obey the word of God, he's going to bless his word. I would say this, church. If I drop dead tomorrow of a heart attack, whoever stands in this pulpit in lieu of me needs to definitely be committed to the word. Don't let him take your King James Bible. Do not let that happen. Don't let it happen. Um, just don't, and don't just make sure you hold fast to the faithful word as you've been taught because, uh, you need the King James Bible to navigate all the cloudiness and murkiness. Again, a church that won't stand on that, they're going to get people saved. They'll do some good things. They might even do some things better than we do because their hearts might even be better. A lot of people that hold to the King James Bible don't have good hearts. So we don't see the full manifestation of God's power like we need to. So what we got to focus on is not getting puffed up in our in our fleshy minds, but being humble, going, man, Lord, you've given us the words of God. We believe that we've got the words of God. We can demonstrably show the the the, 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 the this Bible is just man. It just week after week, message after message. You were here last Sunday morning in Jeff Jeff uh, Jeff Adams Jeff Trude's class. Man, he just put on a showcase on one of the reasons why the King James Bible's. The, the final authority. I mean, it was just a great message. And, and you're getting that in every class, you know. It's so important to hold fast to the faithful word. Why? Because we're here to perfect the saints. We're here to complete the process. And until Jesus comes for us, that perfect man, that's what we do. So, you know what? If you don't attend, you're going to miss it. Well, you can pick it up online, and it is. It's good to pick it up online. I'm glad we can do that. We started online not because a bunch of young people wanted us to be cool and go online. We started because Leela Burton was in the nursing home telling me, you know what, Phil Hopper's cool, man, but I'd really like to watch you on Sunday. I'm like, oh, you're too kind. So Randy Foster made it happen, and we, next thing you know, we, we were online streaming so that some of our older members could, could watch when they were in the nursing home. That's why we actually started going online. Um, and, we, of course, it worked out well because once COVID hit, we, we desperately needed that. But it's ideal to attend, right? Uh, you guys know Hebrews 10.25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, right? There's a lot of people that are getting into that. Uh, 20, 15, 20 years ago, I read a book by George Barna called Revolution. He predicted by now there would be no more local churches. I think it was 2015, uh, something like that, uh, that they were, or 2020. Everybody would just be, you know, using virtual technology and we'd be doing church on the golf course. And, and, you know, and of course George comes from a Catholic background anyway, so he fully doesn't grasp small C anyhow. Um, but at any rate, uh, no, Jesus says, don't be forsaken yourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching as we can see the day approaching, it's coming quick. And that means we got to be caught up. We got to finish 70, the Daniel. Well, we don't, but Daniel 70th week is going to be finished up, and then we'll be right back, and we'll get on into the millennial reign of Christ and rule and reign with Him. 
So we got a lot to do um, yet ahead of us as a church and as individuals. So it's important that we, we don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. So it's not just like, oh, I'm a member of Heartland, but I never show up. We used to let that go, honestly. I learned a few years ago we had a big purging, and um, and we had so many people on the rolls. I didn't know who was a member, an acting member, and who wasn't anymore. I mean, I think we had over 600 people on the rolls that were legitimately baptized, joined the church, whatever. And a few of them that we would take off when they transferred letters, but a lot of them just wandered off, and we didn't know where they went. And so, man, after after we had a purging, which was healthy, then we... I was like, okay, I don't know who, since we're, we're, you know, who do we, we, we it's hard to know who do we minister to and who do we listen to that are complaining and who needs our help. Because while you're over here listening to someone complain, you have a member over here who's hurting and you're over here listening to someone complain, but there's someone over here really hurting. So it just felt like as pastors, we were running in circles. You know what I mean? The devil was using it to have a heyday. So we said, look, we have we have a criteria now. It's based on this. If you don't show up to the building for six months, we send you a letter. You may have gotten one. And we're asking, hey, are you in another local church? Because you need to be in a local church. If not ours, you need to be somewhere. Now, sometimes we know there's extenuating circumstances or whatever. But, I mean, if we don't know, we'll, we'll look you up. We'll call you up. And then if, and if you don't come back or you don't respond, after a year or so, we'll just say, well, it's not that you're not a member, but you're not an active member. That way I don't have deacons trying to figure out what's going on with you and all that when you can't even take the time to get out of bed and roll into church. Now, there's shut-ins. we got a whole list of shut-ins. We know who they are. So I'm not talking about shut-ins. If you're a shut-in listening and watching, I'm not talking about you. So that's not who I'm talking about. We're gracious and kind. We get that. We get that. I'm not talking about shut-ins. I'm not talking about elderly people having health issues. That's not what I'm talking I'm talking about people that you know can get up and go to work. They can get up and go to the chiefs. They can get up and go to the store. They can get up and go everywhere else, but they can't get out of bed and come and identify with the local church they say they're a member of once in six months. Well, I'm offended, they say to me. Somebody offended me. Well, you know what? I'm offended. <laughs> I'm offended because you haven't walked in the door to tell me about it. So I don't want to hear about it. I'm not that mean. I am in my heart, but I I'm not that mean. I... <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes it's sin and i don't and i will tell you this too and i'll to be fully transparent if you're on that list i don't just i do pray for everybody on the list so you're getting prayed over for probably a year before i'm not seeing you anymore on the hbf members list so you're probably not in the building at least a year before i'm not trying i'm attempting i don't always get to everybody every week but i attempt to pray over everybody every week and uh, and so, uh, so that's where it's at. I will be honest with you; it's kind of a relief if if somebody's not around. And, and I got that's one because if you ever tried praying for, take our HBF members list. You've got Shelby, and just go through it and try to think of what you know about those people, what they're going through. I could just go around the room. What's going on with Jamie and Wendy? What's going on uh, with the Plues? What's going on with the Grants? What's going on with Kayla? What's going on with Pat Lee? What's going on? With the Aikens, what's going on? You know, you just go over and you, and you can pray for at least five minutes probably for every one of these folks over different things uh, that you know that are important to them. You know, I'm, I'm just use you, sister. So we're like, oh, 
Uh, Nicole's got health issues. She's looking at this long-term health situation she's working through. Let's pray for them. Let's pray for Travis. He's got a new job. Let's pray for their son. You know, so you just, you're praying about stuff and you're, and someone doesn't show up for a year. After a while, you're like, Lord, I don't know where they're at. <laughs> I hope they're doing okay. <laughs> but I'm moving to the next guy, the next lady, the next family. Because I'm responsible to look after the flock. And I know when I do that, you know, sure as the world, you don't care about me. Blah, blah. Okay, whatever. We'll take it to the judgment seat of Christ, and we'll see if I care about you or not. But at the end of the day, somebody don't care about that verse, that verse behind me. I'm pointing to the one in the back. They don't care about that verse. And I'm not talking about shut-ins. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about folks that know better. Okay, so that's what I preached a little bit in the teaching time we had this this evening. So you should get connected uh, to an adult Bible fellowship. Now, this is really practical here at Heartland. You should get connected to an adult Bible fellowship. Uh, notice the Bible is capitalized. It's an acronym for uh, Biblical Instructions Believers Live Every Day. So these Bible fellowships are a little different. When I'm preaching on Sunday, I'm preaching to everybody that is lost, to the saved, to the people that are, you know, uh, you know on the eighth stage of discipleship down to... Not even born again yet, not even entered repentance and salvation. So so what we're doing on Sunday morning, we're going somewhere as a church body. Big vision, you know, kind of a broad brush. But what we do in ABFs are typically more it's instructional, it's relational, uh, it's more of a community, whereas what we do in here is more of a congregation. And so ABFs are important for a community, especially in Cass County. Because in Cass County, you don't live in the suburbs. We already covered this several weeks ago, right? People in Cass County and Bates County and Henry County and Miami County, not so much up in Jackson County, but definitely once you get south of Jackson County and get south of Belton, uh, most, not all, but many people really, really value the smaller community as to the bigger congregation. You always got your people like to come in, sit in the back, listen and leave. You know, that's that's cool. We're we're all about that. You know, we have regular attendees that are more faithful than our members sometimes. I mean, I I think that's kind of funny and and kind of weird, but it's awesome. You know, I'm not mad about it. We love those folks for whatever reasons. They're not members. That's fine. But at the end of the day, you're going to get vision and direction from me, but you're going to get the fellowship and the connection from your ABF. Because they have events that they do on a small level, they'll go caroling. They'll do hand out Christmas boxes. They'll do, uh, they'll go do fun stuff. They'll put Bibles together. They'll, I mean, there's just lots of stuff that goes on in those ABFs relationally. Going out to dinner after church, whatever it is, um, having times at people's homes, having Bible studies, so on and so forth. That's what those ABFs are for. Get connected to those. Uh, if you're not, you're going to be missing something. Now, you don't have to be in an ABF to be a member of the church. All you got to do is be born again. Scripturally baptized, you're a member, right? Um, and so uh, you don't have to be discipled to be a member. That's not in the Bible. The people that identified with the Lord in baptism, man, if you're willing to do that, we'll identify with you. Um, but every the, another very important meeting that you shouldn't miss is Sunday night prayer. Many people in our church, and I know you're like, man, Brian, now you're really, you're really getting into my personal time because i got to go to work on Monday and I'm busy. and I get it. But we still have a Sunday night prayer service, and I tell you, there's folks that love it, all five of us. I mean, it's <laughs> it's pretty small. I will say this, though. God can deliver uh, by many or few, 
right? There's no, it, he's not hindered by numbers. And so it really is a, I think it's, I think it's a quality time. And, and you get a different side of me too uh, as a pastor. So you get to see a different side of, of, we get to have a lot more relational time on a Sunday night. It's almost like an ABF, but not quite. Um, but it's, uh, it's a good time. So you want to be here on Sunday night. And so let's talk about fellowship. Um, by the way, before I jump into fellowship, a um, little bit about your ABFs that I left out of my notes. I've gotten off my notes. It, uh, hospital visits, potlucks, prayer needs, ministry activities come out of the Adult Bible Fellowship. So when you're sick, if you're in Adult Bible Fellowship, uh, the pastors will be there to care alongside of the deacon and that community, that ABF community that meets with you every week at 9 a.m. So um, it's also important uh, for the ministry in Cass County because it's culturally relevant, as I pointed out. And uh, and so during COVID, our ABFs were what really held our church together. Two things that held Heartland together. Well, really three things. Um, ABFs continued online. Discipleship continued online, or if you wanted to be sneaky in person, however you guys want to go about it. Um, and uh, children's ministry continued online. A lot of effort went into that by everybody. I mean, we just turned on a dime. Within a week or two, we were all doing that. And a lot of churches, I, when we came back together, we really were cohesive still because ABFs worked and the church was still together. Um, and so it wasn't ideal, uh, but it was it was profitable. It worked. So I praise God for that. And so I suspect that if there was ever another occasion where we would have to be sequestered or something major would happen, we would have to also go back to that structure once again for the fellowship we would need to be cohesive as a unit to go forward. If something caused us to where we couldn't meet here uh, immediately, you know, tornado, a bomb hits it, whatever, you know, uh, then, then we, would get, we, would, we would function. You know, we'll keep functioning no matter what because God's called us to. And we got leaders. We're also structurally set up from a leadership perspective to continue to go forward. And even in that, God has even almost just supernaturally put people in the right geographic location so we can do the same. So God's been good like that. All right, so let's talk about fellowship. Um, uh, a great church, uh, as, as great as a church, as church members, I'm sorry, worship attendance and ABF membership are, you'll never uh, find your deepest and most lasting relationships in ministry <coughs> with uh, with those you share the word of God with. Let me wait. No, that's not what I meant to say. I'm missing something. So this is what I meant to say. You gotta, you, you're going to have the deeper relationships um, with those that you are sharing the, the word of God with. As much as attending is important, you're going to have deep, the deepest relationships when you open up the Bible and you, and you share it with somebody else. I mean, there is nothing better than that. When you get involved in ministry, there's a partnership with co-laborers, and it's just precious. First uh, Thessalonians chapter uh, 2 says this, but we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have, uh, to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, which, I mean, that's a pretty awesome thing to impart. But then he goes on to say, but also our own souls, because you were dear unto us. It's like we were so all in. We just love you guys. For you remember, brethren, our labor and travail for laboring night and day, because we would not be chargeable unto any of you, we preached unto you the gospel of God. Ye are witnesses, and God also, how holily and justly and unblameably 
we behaved ourselves among you that believe. And can you see that connectivity, that fellowship, that deepness of relationship that Paul had with the church at Thessalonica? The church started in persecution. They had these deep roots of, of fellowship, and, and it, they imparted uh, not just information, and not even just the best information, but also he says, man, we gave you our souls. We, you were so important to us and so dear to us. And And so... In Philippians, Paul wrote to the church there, and he says, Yet I suppose it is necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger. See all these different attributes Epaphroditus had to, to Paul personally, but also to this church? Your messenger, and he that ministered to my wants. For he longed after you all and was full of heaviness because that ye had heard that he had been sick. For indeed, he was sick, nigh unto death, but God had mercy on him, and not unto, on him only, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I sent him, therefore, the more carefully, that when ye see him again, ye uh, may rejoice, that I may be less sorrowful. Receive him, therefore, in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such in reputation. I mean, Paul is, I mean, he's laying it on thick here about the love and the care and this connectivity that has occurred with Epaphroditus, who is a servant to Paul. He's a servant to the church at Philippi. He's a guy that is investing his life. And you can see there, like he's sorrow because they're sorrowful and they have this, that's called empathy. It's not just like, hey, glad you came. Next, I mean, he really cared about the people that, that he was ministering with. This guy, Epaphroditus, was quite a fella. And fellowship was very important, not only to him, but to all the people which he was connected with. Some people are more gifted, you know, just naturally at being relational. Okay, we can put everybody in their categories. But one of the things you get when you have fellowship is around the word of God is you get these deep relationships because your, li- your, your relationships are formed on God's purpose. Right? That's why just like we had a marriage conference, I'm getting ready to do another one. Right? If, you're, if your marriage isn't about the purpose that God's formed you for, then it's, you're not going to have the deepest relationship. I'm not saying you won't have a deep relationship, but you won't have the deepest empathetic relationship that you could have. This is a lot of empathy here. I never even heard that. I was getting ready to graduate shepherd school, and and uh, one of the things was and when they evaluate you was your ability to have pastoral empathy. I didn't even know what that was. Like pastor, I never heard that term, but it's right here. It's Philippians chapter two. It's First Thessalonians chapter two. It's the it's that not just sympathy but empathy. He was sorrow, sorrowful because they were sorrowful. First Timothy 1, 2. And that's how the body works, right? If you hit the nail, the thumbnail, it hurts the whole body. And sometimes the whole body's hurting. As a pastor, you know it. He's like, man, things, people, there's, there's somebody getting pounded by the hammer, and the whole body feels it. Um, and so, man, you've got you to pray the Lord to, to protect the body. First Timothy 1, 2. Unto Timothy, my own son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. And I bring that up because he's, Timothy is his own son in the faith. And you could go on about that because really First and Second Timothy just reveals the, the level of fellowship that Paul and Timothy had together. So your greatest fellowship will come through the relationship that you build in ministry. It's got to be about the Word of God. So fellowship is not just going out to... You know, branding iron and having a meal, which is a great thing to do. You should do that as often as you can. But um, it's it's opening up the Word of God. That's why discipleship is so effective, and our discipleship one is so effective because when you open up the Word of God, 
and you're and you're going through these simple lessons, inevitably you start sharing life. You start sharing faith. This is how I learned this lesson. This is what God taught me in this passage. This is how I overcame this. And and guys, I'm still I'm still living off my D1 lessons. I mean, I'm still 30 over 30 years later. I I am who I am in part because of my D1, but I'm also I've learned and I've benefited from that D1 experience, not just the lessons, of course. Most importantly, the relationship that we had with our own Sherry Cross. I mean, it's just I can't say enough about it. I'm super tight with people like Doug Howie. I don't talk to Doug every day, but we had a, we've had we've had we've gone through a lot in discipleship, discipleship one, and also discipleship post one through life and ministry and, and a lot of battles and stuff. So, so man, I tell you what, you get tight with people in ministry, and you're bound. In a, in a very good way. It's just what the Bible orders. So you aren't going to get that. If you show up casually to church and you, and you don't really give a rip about discipleship and you're just kind of going to get along, you can do that. You can hang out. You can. I'm not going to beat you up. I don't, you know, whatever. But if you really want to get some traction with God, you're going you're to have to risk yourself and go deeper in relationship with other people. And inevitably, you'll get hurt. That'll happen too. Um, but God will help get you through it. So practically speaking, when it comes to, to ministry, uh, there's some things that you can do in regard to getting involved in relationships. As you serve the Lord in ministry, uh, like TNT, Phone the Sun, or any number of service ministries that we have available right now, you will build relationships with people. When you jump in on a VBS, when you come to Life Issues and help Steve out, when you become an usher, a greeter, a connections worker, a child check-in person, a grounds person, a resource center person, a baptism team person, administrative assistant, word first ministry worker. I mean, any of those things and more that I haven't even named. An I go worker, right? Somebody who helps do I go hangouts, whatever. AV booth, sorry, I missed you up there. It's all the hands, praise the Lord. So whatever it is, right? You'll build relationships. Ron's, Ron is not scary. Go up to the AV booth, find out. He'll cut you. He'll he'll get you laughing. He'll you'll, you'll have a good time. So I mean, it's all about relationships. Okay, so let's talk about stewardship. I'm not going to get as far as I wanted. So give, uh, give time, talent, and treasure. Uh, we've talked a lot about that in January, uh, but not just of money, but time off work. Uh, we got two major conferences. Uh, if you want to get the most, I'm just telling you how to get the most out of, I'm not trying to condemn anybody, by the way, and I don't sit around and take a roster, but I'm just telling you, for your benefit, if you want to get the most out of a, 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 HBF, as it had ABF in my head, Take time off as much as you can, if not all the time, and be here for Vision Conference and, and the Bible Conference because it is special. It is a special time. Vision Conference is setting the direction, and now I'm, I'm excited about the Vision Conference and the Bible Conference and where that's taking our church because it's not really anymore just about Heartland. There are so many things that God is doing um, that we're involved in and partnering with. Those are important times because you're not going to see it you're going to hear mentions of it here and there along the way, but it's only when we get together at those times that you kind of see, wow, like the impact. Now you can, like, I'm looking at the grants. They work out here in Word First. So they're seeing, uh, you Word First workers, when, you, when you're when you assembling the Word of God, and you're like, wow, this is going to Jamaica. Oh, wow, this is going to Malawi. We, like, I got my back of my car loaded right now with stuff going to Malawi, uh, or I mean Zambia, Africa, uh, and Chichewa. I said Malawi because it's Chichewa language. Um, that's just happening. That's happening in due course of the ministry. Like this week, uh, we just sent money to Jamaica to get the stuff out of uh, customs today. Uh, we had a wire transfer going. I'm I'm out here. Uh, Brianna's loading up 
uh, a big barrel and a couple boxes. We got books, Mark Trotter's books in Chichewa we printed and assembled this week. Uh, and man, I mean, all that's just that. That's like, we didn't even talk about it. It just is happening. And that stuff is happening here all the time. Stuff like that's going on. I'm on the, I'm on the horn with people in the Philippines figuring out how we can do another project for another thousand Bibles there, et cetera, et cetera. And so there's things always going on. It's when you come together for the vision conference and you see the Bible conference and it kind of gives you, that's what it does. It gives you a vision and lets you put handles on the big picture. I mean, you don't have to be a missionary, but you need to know that what you do here is important to the other, the missionary out there. And you'd be shocked at how important you are. You, you can ask Doug and uh, um, Bethany Pearson, how important is Heartland? And they're not just saying that. They really love this church. I mean, they love our church because you love them. Pradeep Lehman will be here in November. And when he rolls through, uh, you know, many of you won't even know who he is. Well, many of you will, but many that are watching or they'll come in on Sunday, they're not going to know who Pradeep Lehman is. But I'll tell you what, you, you mean the world to Pradeep um, because he's got a vibrant ministry going because of you guys. You've invested and are investing still heavily in what he's doing there. And so all of that kind of comes to fruition, and you can see it when you come to vision conferences. So what I've done to try to make that a little better in the next seven years is I've just always kind of shotgunned it and tried to hit everything every year. We're not doing that anymore. We are doing that with our prayer teams, but now I'm going to be more intentional. So this year we're focusing on North America, which has been good because it's helped me realize we need to do more work in North America. Just doing that helped me realize, wow, we need to re-up and get reinvested in North America. And that includes Mexico, Central America, Canada, you know, all of that. So we need to, we need to do a better job of reaching right where we live in, the, in the Judea and Samaria. Um, but also, uh, you know, then we're going to do different theaters every year. And we got, when we get to Asia, we're going to have a full plate. We got a lot going on in Asia, a lot of people we could bring in to preach. So you'll be seeing, if you stick around here for seven years, you're going to see unreached people groups, closed countries, Asia, Europe, North America, South America, uh, you're going to see all the all of those things. We're not going to do Antarctica, so uh, so we'll we'll figure something out. But we're going to have it. We're going to look at it differently so that we can get our head and our hearts around it, and it'll be systematic. All right, I can go on and on about this stuff. It's important uh, because we're stewarding the mission of God. So another thing that we need to be investing in, if you're married or you want to be married, you're going to get married. Man, you need to go to the marriage conferences. We just had one a couple weeks ago. That is that is time well spent. I get it. You can't always do it. Sometimes you're watching the grandkids. It doesn't matter if you're 10 years old or 10 years old. Married 10 years, 10 days. It doesn't matter if you're 10 years old. It doesn't matter if you've been married, uh, you know, 10 weeks, 10 years, uh, or 10 decades. You'd be 100 years old. So uh, it'd be about 120. Uh, they're, still, they're still profitable. And uh, we go, Amy and I go. I don't go every year just because we organize it. I go because it's what I call marital maintenance. There's not a year that goes by that I am not profited greatly by going to a marriage conference. And you're like, well, what's the big deal? Listen, if you don't have a strong marriage, you will not have a strong family. And if you don't have a strong family, and this has nothing to do against singles. I want to be careful here. If you're single, it doesn't make you a second-class citizen. But many of the people in our church are called as, as couples. And if they don't have a strong marriage, they won't have a strong family. And if they don't have a strong family, we don't have a strong church. You know, that's the bottom line. The devil's attacking individuals, he's attacking families, and he's attacking children on purpose so he can weaken the churches. That's really what the deal is, because we're the pillar and ground of the truth. 
That's why we can't back up, but we have to go forward in the mission that God's called us to, regardless of how it's received. All right, uh, we have men's breakfast, that, and right now we're in the Man Up series. You need to make it out for that. Um, and, uh, you know, just being able to steward our family. We're getting ready to start the King's Mighty Men, April 14th and 15th. If you're a dad and you got a young son uh, or young sons, you need to, you really need to do that. Those are things that will be worth your while. Um, and I, even if you're like, well, I only got so much time. I only got so much money. I get it. We'll help you. Let's trust the Lord. I'm not asking for an arm and a leg. Just, just invest in these things. These are important things to invest in. Uh, and I, I'm with you. I mean, I know how it is. You've got to make decisions on what's going to be important and invest. All right, so let me talk about this. I've got to get through this. I'm not going to get as far. We'll do some evaluation next week. We are finishing this session. We're not quite done. But prayer teams are important. Together, everyone advances missions. That's what that acronym stands for. Um, they meet monthly, or they're supposed to. And, uh, and if they're not, they need to. And they engage in a, in a team um, to do that, you don't even have to be a member. This is one of those things like this can also be used as an outreach. If somebody's excited about, well, look, uh, uh, Romania, let's just use Romania because I'm on the Romania team. And they're just excited about Romania because Doug's going in and out of Ukraine. They want to get in on whatever's going on. Well, bring them. I mean, they may, their prayer may not get past the ceiling. But, hey, bring them in and uh, use it as an opportunity to evangelize and share the gospel. Anyone get on a prayer team. You don't even have to be a member. Right? Guest wants to get excited about praying, bring them in. There've been Some of our guests have been here for a couple of years. <laughs> it's something to get involved in. So bring them into a prayer team. Prayer teams are important. Uh, missions trips are very important. And I pray and uh, we're going to continue to beef up the, our, our opportunity now that things kind of got hindered with. We were getting ready to go to India when COVID hit, and we were just ramping up. And, man, COVID just shut everything down. Uh, I just saw yesterday China's opened back up to foreign the visas as of yesterday. Of course, America sent me an email to the consulate saying, don't go to China, But uh, which there's legitimate warnings for going to China, but it's a good opportunity to go. If you're willing to risk getting arrested and held, uh, you can go to China and, and uh, take the gospel with you, and you can preach to everybody there that will listen until you get put in jail. Um, and so mission trips are important, and, uh, and, and so that's so important. As you grow, you can take advantage of our missions trips, uh, uh, and so... Uh, I have a very clear vision on where God would have us invest in the coming years as we grow forward in missions. And so you can pray about that. And, and we're, we're praying right now about filling the trip to the DR. As soon as Steve knows Dominican Republic, as soon as Steve Fleshman knows when uh, Lee Carter will have us, which we hope is still in the summer months, uh, man, we're going to go. we got people kind of gearing up by faith on that. Um, and a couple of them live in my house, so that's cool. And so we want to get people to the DR uh, get, get them to Oaxaca, get them to Mammoth. Uh, Mammoth is a mission strip. We've, I mean, we almost lost Jamie. It's such a serious mission strip that uh, you can lose your life going to Mammoth. So it's true. Nothing, you can't take any mission trip lightly. Uh, we've had uh, people roll their cars because they stayed up too late. Come, not us, but my sending church coming home from Mammoth. So a lot of times people think, oh, I'm just going to go to Juarez or I'm just going to go to Mammoth, and it's no big deal. Every mission trip's a big deal. You need to be ready to go, squared away, prayed up, and take it seriously. Uh, we have three levels, so you, anyone can get involved in a level one trip um, uh, as long as you even not usually you need to be a member. Uh, there's a few exceptions. Um, that's more of a service trip, like we're going to go build something, we're going to tear something out, we're going to do a work trip. Level two trips require that we have some basis in discipleship, probably D1s under our belt, probably going to do some teaching, you know, 
sometimes we combine these, some of the aspects. Level three trips are uh, are like uh, we need we need pastor level training. Not everybody has to be a pastor, but we're going to be asking for you to teach pastors. So you need to have a proficiency in the Word of God that that would allow you to teach at that level. Now we also combine those with people that aren't ready to do that, but we have certain categories of trips. So we we know especially among the pastors, what level trip is this? This is level three, okay. Level two, so level one, it's a service trip. We're going to go to, years ago, we're going to go to Iola. We're going to help them remodel their church building. Anybody and everybody, come on. We went out to Ellis Baptist Church, did the same thing. We built a built a platform for them one weekend, um, you know, for their church when they got a new building, stuff like that. Those are great trips. Poured concrete in Juarez. Yeah, I ate that uh, at the breakfast. I couldn't get over that gravy. <laughs> Friolis on my biscuits. I'm like, what is this gravy? I don't get it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, man, we went to war. That was a good trip. Um, so those trips, man, they, they do stuff in your heart and in your life. And that's where I'm going to stop. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and seed you the next point so you can have it. Cause, uh, we're getting, we're getting to where that is the conclusion of the teaching. We get back together next week. Uh, I want to do the the uh, in your notes there. You can do this yourself. We'll talk about this and then we'll jump into our next session. On the back, it's it's asking you some questions, and this is really better for you to do now that we're done. Um, uh, you can go through this evaluation, and if you're online and you want this evaluation, uh, I think it may be up online already, so you can pull it down as a PDF on one of the previous weeks. Probably the first week we started this, the the missions section or the the uh, this section on um, uh, mission and vision. But if if not, you can call the office. We'll get you a PDF of this, and you can print it at home and do it. But um, go over these this concluding contemplation, several pages, you know. So uh, and take some time and and really just evaluate where are you at. And it could be you're not saved. Oh, maybe nobody's asked you about that. Okay, well, I'm asking you right now. When did you get saved? Can you effectively share your testimony as a tool to witness to others? When was the last time you actually shared your salvation testimony with somebody? And those are, those are, those are gut-level questions. So go over that. We'll talk about that next week. And lastly, um, just to finish up this missions pathway, I'm not, I don't need to take a lot of time on this, but we have a process, and many don't even know this, called the Missionary Pathway that we use to prepare people who are called to plant churches and be missionaries. So if you are one that feels like, man, I'm called to do this, uh, get with me. We have we have a, a, a process to help prepare people. And, of course, uh, some practical things that you can do is to simply see myself or Pastor Randy or get with your ABF pastor. Make them aware of this, uh, you know, this burden that's on your heart. And then uh, prepare your life through the process of discipleship. You're not going to get out of here without going through our discipleship process. So start D1, start D2, start HBI, whatever level you need to go into. But most importantly, or as importantly, you've got to prepare your life financially. You can't go anywhere. If you're so in debt, you can't even tithe. Well, you've got to get all that together because you are not ready to do nothing. Uh, you, gotta be, you, gotta, you think tithing is, is going to stretch it? Wait until you go plant a church or become a missionary. God's not going to ask for 10%. He's going to ask for all. <laughs> so A-L-L. The tithing is just a primer to get you started. And so, uh, and I say tithing. I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about time, talent, and treasure. Right? That's If you want to be a missionary and you can't do the basics, right? So start getting your life in order. 
that may mean you got to sell something, you got to downsize, you got to do this and that to get yourself in a good position. Um, and then prepare your life relationally and spiritually. Invest in the ministry. Get involved in these aspects of ministry so you can grow. Don't stay stagnant. You might need to move around a little bit in ministry. Your pastors will help you with that. Don't be jumping around just to jump. Consult your pastors. If we know you're on a path to go somewhere, then we'll help. We'll try to help put you in places to, so you can grow. You might need to be on the circuit. You might need to be here. You might need to be there so we can so you can continue to grow. And then travel with me. Travel. Join me. Go to Certainty Conference. Go to the Discipleship Conference. Randy's representing me at the Discipleship Conference next week. Go to the Discipleship Conference. Go to um, Certainty Conference uh, and hang out with me. You will meet all kinds of people. You will see a whole other side of the ministry, just like James DeCoker said last Sunday or two Sundays ago. Uh, there's a whole other side of ministry you guys don't even know about until you go to one of these conferences. You think, oh, we're just out here in our little corn, our little cow field. Yeah, we are. But there's people around the world that know who you are uh, because of the work that you do right here in Cass County. And most of you don't even realize your impact around the earth. And that's probably just as well. We might get puffed up. But at the end of the day, you're part of something bigger, whether you know it or not. And so uh, so you need to see that field, especially if you think you're going to go off and be a missionary or a pastor someday. You need to get a hold of what your influence needs to be in the earth. And, uh, and you got to get your head around that. All right, and your heart, most importantly. All right, so let's stop there. I'm out of time, went over. Appreciate the discussion. Great testimony, great word uh, about the, the importance of discipleship. Practical tonight. I mean, this is stuff, you know, it's, it's just right here. I mean, you just got to open up your eyes. It's all available. Um, and, and just jump in. So do that evaluation. Next week before we jump into the last session, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to circle back on this evaluation. We'll do a little wrapping about that, and then we'll uh, get into the next session. Any questions? Comments? All right. Well, let's uh, 